You know, for the longest time, I've been trying to figure out what my purpose is in this world. And, you know, I thought I knew for a while. I really thought I knew. You know, God has a way of uh, throwing you off the path that you think you're supposed to be on in order to put you on the path that he believes you should be on. Um, and then also there's a certain set of circumstances that, you know, shape and develop your life. You know, for me, before I was 16, I experienced so much trauma and I didn't even recognize it at the time. I just thought it was normal. Now that I've grown and, and gained some, some, you know, emotional learning skills and some understanding about uh, cognitive developments and how we are developed as people, I understand that I basically spent a large part of my developmental years not being okay. So... When you have a conversation like the one I had this week with a young person who's figured it out somewhat, at least figured out the part that lets you know, helps you understand that some of this ain't normal and I might not be okay. Just figuring out that part because I didn't even get a chance to figure that part out. Well, I don't want to say I didn't give a chance, but I just didn't know, you know. And uh, I'm hoping that what I believe is part of my purpose is also in line with God's purpose for me, which is, you know, help people gain different perspectives about others, about themselves, and let them figure out that some of this that we're experiencing ain't normal. Let's figure out a way to communicate with each other, talk about things that we're going through and hopefully be able to put ourselves in position to not only seek healing for ourselves but help transfer healing to others and you know this week I sat down with my man Dom the big fella and we talked about what it means to have anxiety you know what it means or what it feels like to experience life without your father. Um, something that I know well, but something I have also another little perspective on because now that I actually am a father, I can see how much that's necessary. You know? And I also can look back and say, oh, part of my experience or part of the reason I might have felt this or felt this had to do with this and watching Dom connect those dots uh, in his life and then you'll get to see it for yourself in this episode and you know he's very young so he's still got some things to do and put together but he's on the right track and uh, I wanted to have this conversation with him because I have many conversations with him and every conversation that I have with him, I walk away feeling like, uh, you know, I got to speak with a piece of my hero. Uh, very proud of this young man. Very proud of this conversation. 
I hope y'all enjoy it. All right, big fella. Uh, let me start off by asking you this, man. How much do you actually know about your origin story? Nothing, really. All I know is my mom got pregnant at 16. And then here I was. I've never really asked. Yeah, it's important to know where you came from, man. You got a, uh, you came from a teen mom, huh? Yeah. And uh, so you don't really know about how they got together, how they came about, you know? No, not at all. So this is just a, a huge void. Yeah. You don't know anything about this this man who's uh, the, I don't even know what to call him, man. Yeah, me either half the time. Just Dwayne. Yeah, we just call him we just call him Dwayne, man. So you what how much do you really know about him at all? Like anything? Um nah, not really. Just that he has a brother that really went to the league. Um he's country. That's that's basically it. So your entire life, nobody's informed you on any insight as to how he was. You know, mm-hmm. at some point, you know, somebody had to like him. Yeah. In order for you to be creative. And you just, it's just kind of like he just, the whole thought of him is like non-existent. Yeah, basically. Did it ever bother you? Um, It definitely bothers me more, like, as I get older. But growing up, it it was just something, like, that wasn't really talked about, so... I don't know. It was just kind of off limits. So I really didn't think about it. Yeah. So when did you, when did you first realize that you weren't just a hundred percent Mexican? Um, I think it was around the age, like eight, whenever I realized that I was like, I was different from like the rest of my family. In what way? In, in like skin tone. And it, it kind of came more about whenever I'd go to, like, Mexico and people would, like, stare at me. And then that's whenever I started to, like, look at myself and be like, oh, dang, I really don't look like my Mexican family. So did you did you ask questions or was it already kind of known to you that your father was a black man? Um, no, I really just never asked about it. I didn't it really didn't pass my mind to ask anything like that. Really? Mm-hmm. So you had no curiosity whatsoever about the fact that you were darker, the fact that you, you know, did you recognize that you didn't have uh, a father in the, in the picture? Uh, no. Yeah, I definitely did. Especially whenever I got like around the tigers, that's whenever I started to notice that I didn't have a dad, but it was never really, Something that was like made to seem abnormal for me. So it was just normal. So you didn't. You, basically, you're saying you didn't miss what you didn't have, or you never knew you yeah. had. Yeah, yeah. Until I started like seeing it. So when you started seeing it, you saying when you got around the tigers. Uh, let me see. You had to be uh, in about third grade, I think. Um, second or third grade. What did you what did you begin to miss? Do you can you remember that far back? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I just, I miss the, like, the interactions. Like, that's the, the biggest thing that I would notice is, like, everybody would have their dads, like, out of the games. And, like, they were all different and interacted with each other differently. But, like, I would notice how, like, the similarities that my friends did share with their dads. And I was, like, that's what I, what I would, like, focus on the most is, like, all the things that they did get from their dads. Looking back at it now, do you do you feel like you had a, a change in your own behavior or changing your own emotion at that time? From from that point? Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more like resentment, resentment and like anger towards him not being there. Especially as I become more aware of like everything I did miss. This is early on you you're seeing this. You said what? You saw this. You saw this in yourself early on, or are you talking about as you got older? As I got older, like you say, teenage years. Mm, yeah, and then especially after my experience with trying to let him back in my life, that definitely brought a lot more, like a lot more negative emotion towards him. How how old were you when that happened? Um, I think I was around the age of like seventeen, eighteen. Whenever I told myself. I'm going to try to give this man a chance, like an actual chance to be in my life. Okay. So for context, you're 20. So this is a couple of years. Yeah. Ago. Yeah. So what happened? You feel like talking to what? Like how, how, what happened? No, yeah, I, I can talk about it. Um, so what happened is uh, he started like texting me a little more often than usual. And he happened to like invite me to his house. And I was just, I remember like the the excitement of like, probably getting just one of those experiences like that I always hear, like that I see guys have millions of. And um, yeah, so we, we did that. And he started making uh, all these promises to me, like uh, that he was going to start sending me money weekly. And like, he was going to cover the insurance for a car that he's going to give me. He gave me um, a 1996 GMC, like stick shift. It's like really old beat up truck. And I just remember being, like, so happy because it was, like, the first thing he'd ever, like, gave me. <clears throat> and so, like, I just appreciated it. I was, like, thinking of, like, all this work that I'm going to put into it. So I ended up taking the car home. And we started talking more consistently and, like, texting. And <clears throat> so I finally asked him uh, if I could get, like, his car number so I could put his insurance on there because he originally had told me he would cover the insurance for the car. And... As soon as I asked him this, he was like, I never said I was going to cover the insurance for the car. And then I was like, uh, you did, but that's fine. I'll just use the money that you said you're going to send me weekly. Then all of a sudden he comes, he's like, I have all these bills that I have to pay. I don't know if I'll be able to send you money weekly. And I remember I just got so, so triggered after that because he made, he made these promises. And I was like, I would have been fine if you wouldn't have even said these things in the first place. Like, I didn't need all that, but you, you gave me this false hope. And I just remember getting so upset because it was like, he said he was going to do it. And then he just didn't. So then I ended up getting really upset and I told him to come get the car and he did. And he just took it. And I was like, okay, that's fine. You got your chance. And after that is whenever I really like started to, I noticed that there was an anger towards him. And, so yeah, when you originally 
you know, before he made his attempt to be a part of your life, you didn't feel uh, like you were missing anything. And well, until you started recognizing and seeing different relationships amongst your friend group, but it really wasn't a super emotional situation until he tried to get back in and then gave you the hope that you would have a father son relationship. And then it just turned out to be deception. Yeah. And that turned into anger. Yeah, exactly. When you, uh, cause it, go ahead. Cause initially it was almost like, I didn't know what I was missing. Yeah. And then I got like the, the experience and then it was just yanked from me again. So how did you, how did you deal with this anger? Did you, keep it to yourself or did you express it? What did you do? Um, to be honest, I, I just held it in. My family just kind of never really liked him. So I was just surrounded by all these negative, like talks about him. So I just kind of was like, okay, my, um, it's reasonable that I'm angry. Like everybody else around me already doesn't like him. So it's fine for me to just be angry about it. Having hindsight, do you feel like it was uh, helpful for everybody to just kind of pile on them, or is, do you think you needed something else? Um, I I don't really know. I just remember always being really reserved whenever anybody would say anything bad about him because, in all honesty, I felt like I didn't really know him, and I feel like they didn't really know him either, and so they would just say like negative things towards him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a tough position to be in, man. I mean, you don't know the guy. Uh, you just know what he, what you know, what he's supposed to symbolize in your life, and mm-hmm. everybody that you know and care about criticizes him and doesn't care for him, and then he presents himself to be uh, basically a failure in your eyes. Yeah. So how did you, or I'm not gonna say how, but did you? Do you feel like you've moved on from that moment or do you still feel that intense anger? Um, It definitely resurfaced with uh, the interaction that I had with him a couple of days ago. Right. Where he, he tried to reach out to me and I basically, I called him out on him being just a horrible dad. And then he got his feelings hurt. And it was just a very, very annoying altercation that, did bring up a lot of a lot of anger in me that I didn't think was still there. Do do you feel like uh, was that your first time doing something like that or, or confronting him in that way? Yeah, it was. I had always had the thought of it, but I never had the guts to actually just call him out on it. Did you get any peace? No, I didn't. I I feel like if anything, it made things worse. There's some piece of you there's some piece of him that you want him to give you that he just refuses to give you. Yeah. That's tough, man. That's tough, man. And it sounds like not only have you been, you know, has has it been like supercharged as of the last couple of years, but it almost sounds as though you've kind of been dealing with this by yourself your entire life for the most part. Yeah. Because I've never really had anybody, to really explain to me the situation that I that I was in 
or like how I should be feeling or like if it was okay, what was happening, if there's something on his end. I feel like there's just so many blanks that I never got. And I'm trying to pull pieces together and figure it out. It's interesting, man. I, I virtually lived somewhat close to the same life. Uh, only I had, you know, for a good chunk of time, I had a stepfather or whatever. But yeah, just to hear you talk about it, you know, it does. Sound, I mean, I hear the differences in what you experienced. I mean, so what did constitute as a kind of the male role models in your timeline? Like, where did you, your progression of, of what a male looks like from when you were young until now, what did, who did you see? What did you see? I, I noticed like looking back that I would psychoanalyze a lot of like the males around me and I would pick certain things that like I deemed as a good quality in a man. Like from you, I really respected like how passionate you were and how involved you were. And so that's something that I took away from you. And then I was like, okay, if anything, I want this in my life. I want this this aspect to be a part of who I become. And so it was just kind of a collective effort to pick certain things from men that I would see in my life. Yeah. And that's, and that's how you, that's how you shape your perspective on what a male should look like. Yeah. What do you feel like? Go ahead. Go ahead. And I feel like even, even to this day, it's still like a process of figuring out like the smaller things, like of how a male deals with his, like his problems, his emotions. And I feel like it's just a constant learning thing for me. So from what I remember you being younger, uh, when you were like a middle school going into high school type stuff, like you didn't, uh, you didn't ask these type of questions, you know, these, these kind of conversations came up it was more of me asking you how you felt and you dealing with it that way. Um, as you got mm-hmm. older, you started to ask more direct questions. But so I'm wondering, like when you were younger, um, were you just not aware that you had questions or you just were uncomfortable asking them? I feel like when I was younger, I don't know why I always refer to this, but I feel like I was very like, if I could describe my situation, I feel like autopilot. Like I was there, but I wasn't really there. Almost like a dis- disassociation factor was in play. Yeah. So I felt like a lot of things I would experience wasn't really, I wouldn't think about it. I wouldn't try to figure out why or how. It was just kind of, oh, it happened. Yeah, yeah. When when do you think... Uh, when do you think it started to hurt the most? Like, not, not I'm not saying when, uh, as in like what actual time frame in your life, but like what events would occur in your life, and it'd be like, man, this is this really this really hurts. Like, I I, I don't have what everybody else has. Um, I think it really started to hurt. Like after I went through my first like bad breakup. And I found out that I really had no, like, no, what's the word? Like, conflict management or, like, 
I had really no idea how how I was supposed to act or who I was supposed to be. And I realized that in the relationship because I I didn't know how to handle so many so many different things like my emotions or like how I was feeling and realizing that it was like crippling me in that way is when it started to hurt because I was like in my mind I was like dang I'm I'm just messed up like there's something wrong with me and I have no idea where I'm supposed to go from this point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man. and that's when you started so you 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 had a bad breakup and mm-hmm. your emotions were in a place that you had actually never been to yeah and you started to look around and you didn't know where to turn or how to be and this is when you kind of felt like man this it would be a good time to have uh kind of a, a solid father in my life right now yeah The male, the, you had male figures in your life. Yeah. Not, not the same though, right? Like, so this, this wasn't, it wasn't adequate. No, it wasn't. My, my grandpa, I had my grandpa and my uncle and I had you also as a part of like a figure in my life, but I never fully leaned into like one male. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this, this creates this creates a huge void, a huge unmet need. And I know you're young, so you haven't really had like a, you know, like a marriage or anything like that. But they say, and I don't know if you can identify it now, but, you know, when you read books and research, these unmet needs show up in your adult, adult relationships. Do you feel mm-hmm. like there's any unmet need that has already kind of been showing up, not even in your relationships with like females, but like your friendships and your relationships with, I don't know, professors or whoever, you feel like your unmet needs are showing up in your life? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I've noticed that I struggle a lot with like self-love and putting myself first. And I, I conform my feelings to the people around me and it's I've noticed that it takes a very negative toll on me mentally. And I noticed that my last relationship is actually what made me really notice this because I was in a place where I was just so, so numb. And I was just trying to make the other person happy. And I was giving my everything. And I wouldn't say I was afraid to say how I was actually feeling and how I was what I was actually thinking. Mm. In, in fear of the person leaving me or not accepting my true emotions. So you attribute a lot of that reaction to not having your father show up in your life? Yeah. And then also, I feel like there's an aspect of the household that I grew up in that adds to that. Okay. Tell me more about that. Um, so my household growing up, uh, emotions were not spoken about. They weren't really talked about. Uh, we never really covered anything on like how to, how to carry yourself as a person, where to go when you're struggling with something. It was just kind of like, figure it out on your own. And so growing up, I just learned to kind of be the one to stay out of trouble 
and to do what I was told and kind of just please my family, like make sure I was doing, doing what I had to do in school, doing athletics and all these different things. And it was never really about me in any type of way or what I was actually dealing with or feeling. And so, which is also why I feel like I, I was on autopilot because it was never about Dom. It was more about just doing what I needed to do at that point in time, what I was being told to do. So your gratification came from achieving tasks that you were told to achieve. And when you achieve those tasks, you can, you, you instantly know you've done a positive thing. And then like, that's that. Yeah, that's that. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk from a little bit of experience. So when I watch you, like for instance, when we go to games and we play, I mean, you, you've always, you know, been a, a good athlete, you know, you've always worked hard and done well, but there's always been a part of you that plays underneath your potential. And then when you do that, there's a part of you that feels, or you can see, I don't, I don't know how you feel, but I can see or you display uh, uh, some level of disappointment in yourself. Like you were kind of really critically hard on yourself, like in, in a lot of, a lot of games. I mean, I've probably seen you play more games than anybody on, you know, except maybe your mom, yeah. living, you know, so I watch yeah. you do this over and over again. And I'm kind of now see, I'm hearing you talk like this. I'm kind of hearing you now kind of connect What did you feel like a game to game pressure? Oh yeah, definitely. There is, there is this anxiety that came with every, every game about my performance. Because in your thought process, if you didn't perform well, what was it, what was like the consequence? I had failed, basically. Yeah. I wasn't doing the the one thing I was supposed to do, which was play good. Yeah. And at that point in time, it affected my confidence. Yeah. And and, and so what, like in, in, go ahead. So like instead of trying harder, it's almost like I would retract myself and do less because if i if i set the standard of okay maybe you can't do all of this then i i don't have to try to meet, reach this point that you believe i can that you believe i'm at i'm setting a new standard for myself that's lower and easier to achieve yeah and <clears throat> man so when you play like uh pickup mm -hmm. this pressure disappears uh yeah almost it it's different now than it was back then back then it would never it would never disappear yeah but now now i've kind of learned to just live with my mistakes and like do better or do something to change change the mistake that i just made like to make up for it you're gaining a, a higher understanding of yourself yeah. In your house, you know, you, you the house you grew up in is is full on Mexican. Yeah. Straight up and down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, uh, your your mom was born in Mexico, right? Yeah, she was. 
So like you're like you and your brothers are like first generation for the most part. Yeah. I, mean, I think you're or maybe some of your aunts was your aunts were your younger aunts born in Mexico? No, they were born in uh, Oregon. Okay, so I mean, they first ones really born here, but for for your generation, it was you. Mm-hmm. So you're growing up in a, a different culture. I mean, so is your mom, but I mean, your whole life span is in this culture. Yeah, and on top of that, half of you is is Black American. Yeah. How does that show up in your completely Mexican household? <laughs> so uh, growing up, there there was a point uh, where I would send uh, Anthony like to ask my grandparents like for stuff that I want or like, yeah, stuff that I don't want because I believed in my in my mind wholeheartedly that they didn't like me as much because I was black. So growing up, there was this weird aspect of I didn't belong, like in my own uh, family. So for context, because everybody doesn't know you, you know, you might think they do. Uh, <laughs> Anthony is your brother. Okay, yeah, your younger brother, who is also mixed with Mexican and black. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. he is not dark or as dark as you. So if you don't ask him, you might not even know that he's mixed. He yeah. could he could he could be what you called a passing Mexican. <laughs> yeah, he could. Or as for you, you are El Negrito. Yeah, El Negrito. <laughs> so you felt like because Anthony was uh of a different complexion that he he was more acceptable in the house and can get yeah. get, get things that you couldn't get. Yeah, and I noticed at that time, uh, I would just get, I'd get scolded a lot, and I'd get in trouble, because, like, uh, I was always bigger than Anthony was, and so, like, anytime, like, we would fight or, like, get into some type of argument, I remember just getting, like, bashed because of, like, who I was, like, how big I was, and, like, for trying to mess with my brother like that, and so, I just felt very attacked at that time. Hmm. So do you feel like when, when, when Angel comes, who is, he's a hundred percent Mexican, do you still feel this way? Do you feel like he's gets it even easier? Um, yeah, I definitely do think he gets it way easier than we did. Do you you think, go go ahead. I feel like that our family has changed a lot and like grown a lot. Ever since, I would the turning point be? I would say the turning point for my family would be probably whenever I started speaking out on my anxiety is when I saw like a major shift in like every everybody. Like uh, my aunts changed, my grandma changed, uh, Maria, my other aunt changed. And it's just like, there's this huge shift in the way uh, everything was viewed like everybody started coming out with like their actual problems that they'd been dealing with like growing up and so I definitely think he gets it easier but I don't think it's because of his complexion mm-hmm. I believe it to be just just like the way our family is moving in now that time has passed and everybody's recognizing that mental health is an actual real thing right mm-hmm. 
because growing up, it highly potential that, you know, it's just something that didn't get talked about for, yeah. uh, for them, for your, uh, for your mom and her siblings. Yeah. And now even your grandmother, you said is also kind of yeah. opening up to recognizing that some of these things that we're experiencing aren't normal. Yeah, exactly. And you've kind of been the, the gateway for this. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. It's an extent. And because it is, you feel like now, you know, angels is exit. Your youngest brother is existing in a space where it's more acceptable to talk, even though he doesn't yeah. really. But yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, when did you start recognizing that you had anxiety? I think my my first ever experience with anxiety was in elementary school, but at that time, I didn't know have any idea what it was what happened and then uh, I remember I was just sitting in class and it was just a normal day and I just started like sweating and I Mm -hmm. it was and I was like in my head I don't know why but I was like oh I can make like there's just so many thoughts like going through my head and it came out it was like externalized and I was like oh that's cool I can control my like I can make myself sweat on command that's what I was thinking at the time and I was just like (laughs) I just remember being very nonchalant about it and like not really understanding. Um, but it never really happened again. And then middle school is when it was like personified or not. Yeah. Personified actually is the word. Um, it was when I was in my first relationship and I remember I would just, I couldn't even like sit next to the girl at, at lunch because I get so nervous and like I'd start sweating and I didn't understand like why, like why I couldn't just sit there and be okay. I just remember I'd get really hot and like I'd I'd literally like run away and like go to the restroom and be like, what's happening with me? Like, why am I getting so hot? And I didn't even understand the idea of like being nervous or like uh, anxious. I didn't even know that was a thing at that time. And like throughout until like my junior year, it was a very like on and off thing for me. And it was just kind of like, I would avoid situations that I knew would would make me like nervous or hot or uh, like places I just didn't want to be like, and it was always majority social situations. Mm. So when did you recognize that you actually had some type of issue instead of, you know, you're just not the biggest nerd in the world and something actually wrong. (laughs) Um, It was, it was junior year. Uh, I realized that it had become a, a crippling thing for me because uh, I would literally be sitting in the back of class and I would just, I'd get so nervous and like, I'd want to like run away. And it became a, to a point where it got to a point where I was like, I don't even want to go to school anymore. Like I, I didn't want to interact with like any of my close friends. Didn't want to leave my room. Like I was anxious sitting in my room doing nothing. And I reached, I reached a point where I was like depressed and it doesn't help that it was at this same time that I found like the, my first like love or whatever. And so I was very dependent on her for like happiness and like as an outlet. Meanwhile, I'm over here depressed and anxious and not wanting to go to high school anymore. And that's when I first started to realize that I had like an actual problem. And I don't remember where it was that I heard the word anxiety, but somebody had mentioned it and brought it up and I just remember looking it up and 
it like spoke so clear to me like this is what my problem is right here mm-hmm. and I just remember like like a hopeful feeling coming back into my life because uh everything had been so dark for such a long time like to where I was avoiding avoiding things I even wanted to do just because I was scared of this feeling that I had no idea what it was or how to control what and type, yeah that's when I realized it was a problem what type of things were you avoiding um just anything like hanging out with friends going out um just normal everyday things mm. so who i mean where where did you when when did you first start communicating to other people that you were experiencing this who did you go to first you know what were those conversations like um i think i actually went to my my mom first and um whenever i told her this uh her response to it wasn't it wasn't a good response it was very very negative and in disbelief so my emotions and my trust was kind of like betrayed in that moment because mm-hmm. I'd come to her trying to open up and tell her about these problems. And the first thing she said to me was, no, you don't have anxiety. Like you're, you're putting this in your head. You don't have this problem. Like you've been fine up to this point. Like you're doing good in school. You have friends, you're social, you're always smiling. And she just, she didn't validate anything that I was feeling. And it was like that for like, months after yeah so what's what's your next what's your next move because your mom's your first always your first go-to right yeah uh my next move is figuring it out by myself so I end up talking to one of these friends and she gives me some information on a psychologist and I tell my mom about it she says she's not gonna take me to psychologist so I end up scheduling my own thing with the psychologist and I drive myself up there and I actually think she ends up coming with me and she ends up hearing what the psychologist has to say. And I think I end up getting something prescribed that day, but my mom says, we're not going to pick it up. You're not going to take, you're not going to be on pills. And I remember I, I, I drove myself to go pick up the pills and I kept going and getting like uh, the prescription renewed and my mom, I would ask her to pick it up for me sometimes. She would just say, no, you need to stop taking those pills. And like, she was just never with the idea of me being medicated. Mm -hmm. But like when I did start taking the medication, that was like for the first time in my life where I felt almost free again and like an actual person, like a functioning person. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that that was the next step that I took after that. What did that do to you and you and your mom's relationship in a time period? Um, it definitely messed up the trust. And that was like the first time I think I'd ever gone to my mom with something like serious. And so it just kind of messed up the, the idea that I had of going to my mom when I did have a problem. Hmm. So I, I kind of closed myself off for a little bit to going to my mom for my problems because this was like the first ever like major thing in my life and the way she handled it wasn't wasn't helpful to me at at all 
so how how when do you when do you i mean it's not still like that right my anxiety no with your relationship with your mom no it's not like that anymore so when does she come around to understanding that this is something you need um i think it's when my i think it's like five months in and my aunt starts to like talk to her about how uh anxiety can cause suicide and like the idea of me possibly like my anxiety leading to that like most to the point of she does start like accepting and like learning about it even if it's something she had like never experienced or didn't understand and even though so you know even though you're taking the medication and you're feeling better uh it's still when you first started out it's still not as acceptable uh, in your house. So when do you start feeling like normal or okay with yourself or comfortable with yourself that you're experiencing these things that nobody around you is really talking about? Um, I think it's when I started, when my grandma started to like accept, like even, th even though she didn't understand like what was happening, she, she just kind of started to be there for me and like be in my corner a lot whenever I would say like I needed to get like my medication or like I needed to do something to for my anxiety she would just always always just be on my side when she didn't understand it yeah and now <clears throat> you're very vocal you know you know yeah. I feel like you know I don't really feel like I remember a time where I didn't know about you experiencing these things but mm -hmm. You know, not only, not only, okay, let me, let me, before I go there, you're experiencing this in your home, but you also have a, uh, what appears to be a very close knit friend group. So yeah. between the issues with not having your father and now eventually anxiety forming into your life, where do your friends come into play with some of the things that you've been dealing with? Um, I would say my friends became like a, like a security, like a, a secure place for me, like at least in social, difficult social situations. And so I would almost cling on to my, my friends anywhere we would go. And I became almost like really dependent on them, like being around me or like yeah. me being around them. Right. So you almost didn't want to go anywhere unless your friends were going. Yeah. But were you communicative about, you know, a lot of times males, when we grow up, we don't talk about these things, you know, at least mm -hmm. in my generation, your generation might be different. So I don't want to speak on that, but from your perspective, did you feel like you could talk about these very sensitive and uh, emotional things that you that you were experiencing uh no definitely not uh in our in our group anytime someone was vulnerable it would be often used against them yeah like in the later times were you guilty of it too uh yeah definitely i was definitely guilty of it looking back on that now how do you feel about that type of uh, behavior? 
I feel like it wasn't it wasn't a healthy thing to do. Like there were serious problems that people were experiencing, but I also feel like we weren't very educated on how to deal with someone's real problems. Yeah. You know, for context, like, you know, this is from my perspective, from my view, this friend group is Mm -hmm. beyond anything I've ever seen in my lifetime. I've never seen a bunch of guys this close uh, for this long, uh, you know, hang around and influence each other so much. Uh, I definitely never had a friend group like that. Um, and for a long, for a large part of the time, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being humble when I say this, I was, I felt like basically solely responsible for you guys, social lives, you know, like if y'all did anything or, or were, were to get together in any kind of way, I had to play a hand in it some kind of way. And <clears throat> when I think about it now, and especially listening to you, yeah, even before you said any of this, I always think to myself as I became, you know, as my emotional intelligence and my emotional learning grew, I always wish I would have spent more time um, telling you guys or helping you guys grow your, 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 your emotional intelligence. Uh, but for me, I was in a position where I was wearing the mask on a regular basis myself. So I didn't get an opportunity or I didn't take the opportunity, I should say, to like deal with some of that unhealthy behavior that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad for you that you were at this age because I definitely was not at 20 years old. I still hadn't had a grip, you know, on uh, on emotional learning and emotional intelligence. <clears throat> but uh, do, do you do you do you ever think about man of all the things that you know Coach Joe was telling us? I wish he would have told us it was okay to talk. I've never I've never thought that thought. Okay. That's good to know. Because <clears throat> I, I would have individual conversations with all of you. So I, I always made myself available in that way. But I never really noticed that. I never I never viewed it from the overhead of like, man, this guy's having these problems over here. This guy's having these problems over here. And this guy's having, everybody had problems. Like everybody had like serious problems that, were kind of outside the knowledge of your parents, but yeah. <clears throat> I never once said, you know what, fellas, let's bring it in and, and, and talk as men and, you know, and have this, have this moment to kind of think about how we're processing all our feelings, emotions, and angers. And, you know, let's have a minute to kind of look at and listen to our brothers and see yeah. what, what they're going through and what they're dealing with you know mm-hmm. yeah but now you got you know you started something that I you know I, I'm particularly proud of that I like to view when you post it I try to I have to stay away from social media for my own mental health but when I do get on I like to see you do your your deep talks with Dom I want to know kind of what made you what gave you the courage to put yourself mm-hmm. out there like that yeah um so I've, it's actually been an idea of mine. Like I've had the story created since like 
maybe my senior year of high school. Oh, wow. I just, yeah, I just remembered the idea of uh, just wanting to speak to people and wanting to, not wanting anybody to go through the same things I went through with no real knowledge or like guidance. And I just remember I was very, very nervous about the idea because nobody really knew this side of me like that, um, like that I enjoy helping and like talking to people and being vulnerable. Like it's also something new that I've discovered about myself, but I just feel like it was a side. Everybody knew the happy Dom, the happy, smiley, you know, not really going through anything Dom, but nobody knew all this underlying baggage and issues that I was dealing with over here. And so when I first created it, it was just there. And it was just like, maybe one day I'll I'll have the courage to do it. And then years just passed and I would just see it every time that I'd go on Snapchat. And one day after my most recent breakup, um, I was just like, you know what? I think, I think now is the the time to finally do this. Like if I don't do this now, I'm never going to end up doing this and I'm going to end up regretting it. And so one day I just, I ended up posting about the hurt that I was feeling. And it was a big jump for me because I made it public so anybody could join. And uh, I just ended up talking about like what I was really feeling and what I was really going through because it, it was, it's real emotion that I've never, I've never seen anybody display and that I've never displayed. And so I just kind of took a, a leap of faith and let let the world see a different side of me. And I feel like it's been, it's been a very positive, positive catalyst in my life. Like now I'm, I'm learning to be more confident in talking to people and like, letting my my experiences hopefully help them or just like let them know that other people are dealing with the same type of issues so your ultimate goal is to allow people uh the freedom and the security to be like you know it's it's okay not to be okay sometimes yeah and be able to talk about it something you feel like you obviously didn't have yeah up until this point yeah exactly you've seen counselors and things like that um have you actually ever been to like a consistent therapist um just at my school for like a semester but not really more consistently than that do you feel like you're in a space where you don't need that right now or need that anymore? Or do you feel like that's something that's eventually you're going to have to get to? Um, I'm in counseling right now okay. this semester. All right. But I think it's, for me, I feel like it's a thing that I'm going to have to constantly go to like as I continue my life. Got a lot of stuff to work out. Yeah. And then I always feel like there's something something new always comes my way. Yeah. Yeah. These things, these things keep hitting us, man. And it's like, uh, 
until you deal with, especially unless you deal with some of the underlying issues that have been kind of getting at you your whole life. A lot of things that you experience in your life are traumas. They're textbook traumas, you know? Yeah. And you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta deal with those things in order to get mm-hmm. to a space where, you know, you can feel good and, and build healthy relationships, you know? Yeah. So I, you know, I definitely respect and appreciate the fact that you're getting to it. Does it, do you feel like there's a hole in you culturally? Yeah, definitely. Cause I, I really didn't grow up around my black. Even then it was my whole life. You went out for a second trying. You went out for a second. All I heard was, you know, something about, I don't, I don't like the blacks or something like that. Is that what you said? <laughs> That's not what I said. Okay, what'd you say then? You said you said you, <laughs> you said it was there a hole in me culturally. And I said, uh, yeah, I definitely feel like there's a there's a hole in me culturally, especially growing up uh around like my Mexican side of the family. I feel like a lot of the racism and stuff that I've experienced is or that i've like noticed is like the mexican side of the racism yeah and um i lost my thought um i completely lost my thought of what okay. i was gonna say well do you feel uh does a part of you kind of wish you were more connected to the black side of you yeah most definitely yeah. especially given that my friend group was like majority yeah yeah do you do did you have you noticed that certain things affect them and then 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 do you have to kind of observe or Mm. not really i've i've never really noticed them get passionately angry about like racism like obviously there's like the like the n-word like that's an obvious trigger but I've never seen them be passionate about like things going on, like in society. Like we did do the, the March um, that we had in the colony. Right. I remember that. But like, like even then I, I didn't really feel like any heavy, like upsetness from them. Like a social media grab there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You come around, man. I'll send Donovan over there, man. He'll, he'll, he'll Martin, Martin Luther, Malcolm X, you up, man. He's uh... a, <laughs> <laughs> he gets mad about everything racist so you, you, i'll send him over he'll, he'll show you what it is yeah you guys man you guys were pretty balanced man like i mean you, you know we had a lot of different cultures you know you, you, you weren't even you weren't even the only blackskin you know no I wasn't. You, you weren't the only biracial i mean it was just you know it was you know we had to you know, sprinkle a white guy or two in there every now and again yeah you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, Marshall, one of my favorite humans on earth. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he's not, you know, he, he, he's all the way, man. He's all the way 400% <laughs> country white boy, man. But, you know, man, you know, it's like he's the most loyal, loving dude in the world, man. So it's like, but now going forward, you know, when you think about, you know, the things that you've experienced as far as anxiety and not having a father, things that you can relate to. If you see somebody like a younger version of yourself, what kind of talk would you have 
with somebody dealing with those type of things? Um, I feel like I've had I've had certain experiences with like younger people that I see mm-hmm. myself in. Yeah, and I've I've noticed that a lot of the times when I do speak to them, I I always uh, give them like some type of hope. Like I will find a way to like inspire and give them something to to reach out on. Because I remember growing up, I, I it was like a hopeless situation almost. Mm. And so when I do have those conversations with people, with people younger, I, I always try to give them something that, something if not multiple things that will hopefully like ignite them to keep researching and find something for themselves. Because I, like me growing up, I, I've come to understand that one thing doesn't work for everybody. Like I've had to figure out multiple different things and keep like researching. And so when I do have those conversations with people, I just try to get them on the path of like researching anxiety and trying to find something and like not giving up on themselves. Critical, man. This is why as you're going into a man, I'm, I say often that you have become a hero to me because you and your age, being able to identify things like that in yourself is something that I was never comfortable with. And it cost me a lot, not being able to come to terms with the fact that I wasn't okay, but instead trying to push through life, kind of like you did with the sports, I would push through life with achievement. And I figure as long as I was achieving something, helping somebody, doing something great, then I was okay. And I wasn't taking care of myself. So you beginning to take care of yourself uh, and recognizing that it's okay to speak out at a young age just without, you know, worried about the consequences or the criticism. You're a hero, man. You're a hero to me. And I'm very proud of you. And I just want to say that, man. Thank you, Coach. Um, I know we weren't going to talk about this, but I feel like since everything's getting out there, when that guy uh, broke into your window with a feather and tickled your private parts. What? Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? what are you talking about? <laughs> How did you bounce back from that? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Do you still struggle with uh, your addiction to feathers? Like what? It's cap. It's cap. Oh, okay. Okay. No, too soon. All right. Well, I guess we're we're not ready to talk about that, but uh, maybe on the next episode we'll get to. You know, nah, you can have people out here thinking I'm weird, coach. That weird happened. addictions. That never, that never happened. You gotta face uh, it, man. Okay. <laughs> it's, 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 you, you got. It's better to accept who you are, man. No, no, because people are gonna believe you and ask me. That never happened. So, I never walked in on you in the hotel, and you were saying tickle, tickle, no. tickle, and no, no. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Guess that was just in my head. <laughs> All right, I think that's where we're in it then, man. Uh, All right, coach. I hope you get better, brother. <laughs> All right, uh, bro. I'll talk to you later. I love you, man. All right, coach. Love you too. All right. Bye.
you know, the way that I'm healing or trying to heal, I try to do that without having too many regrets, but, you know, if I could go back and do maybe one thing over, it would be for me as a coach and a teacher to incorporate emotional learning, emotional intelligence, and communication skills in what I was doing, because I definitely didn't have them, uh, so really wasn't much for me to teach, but um, I mean, I wasn't a terrible communicator, but I was a hurt communicator, so a lot of my communication came through hurt, and because of that, you know, there's relationships that are probably damaged, you know, um, and I'm not, I'm taking accountability for, for my part in it, not for all of it, of course, because that wouldn't be fair to me, but doing this episode with Dom put a, some of that in perspective for me, um, and that I, I hope if anybody gets anything from this is that, you know, let's try to teach first ourselves some emotional learning skills and, and gain some emotional intelligence and then transfer that to our younger generation so that they can have a better chance of navigating a life with, you know, trauma and and conflict issues and, you know, possibly save themselves a lot of time and agony. But, I mean, obviously we're not going to be able to protect everybody from everything, but, you know, we can do better. We can do better. Um, but, you know, this young man is who he is, and uh, I'm proud of him. I hope that you all gain some insight on, you know, what it can be like growing up somewhat from a, from a young man's perspective. A lot of his story is similar to mine. Uh, there's a lot of things that are obviously different, but um, the point is, you know, recognizing that there's a better way to do it. And I'm proud of him for that. I'll see y'all next time on Vulnerability is the New Sexy.